blue Cadillac, long, tall, and lean, white cowboy hat. Pulled up a stool at the bar, said I'm looking for Audrey. Took off his coat, lit up a smoke, stared into space, completely heartbroken. I said, why don't you have? He said, I'm looking for Audrey. Spine-tingling greetings to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes that just went through the old listening vessels is courtesy of the awesome Bobby Mackey. And as always, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. Today we find ourselves in a small Colorado mountain town called Monta Vista, but locals refer to it usually as Monte or Monta. I pass through here often while traveling to my mom's ranch, and I also have several family members who call this neat little mountain town home. I first found out about the cemetery from a friend, Johnny, who his loved ones actually buried here. We were at work one day when the topic of ghosts and haunts came up. There was a story about a woman who had a pet monkey who lived in this old haunted house. And I don't know if it's true or not, but that's how the conversation started, I suppose. Monkeys and ghosts. Interesting combo. So anyways, I told him how, you know, I like to investigate the paranormal. And he told me that there was one place that was definitely worth checking out. So one night we decided to drive out there. Johnny, his girlfriend Meredith, my sister Casey, and I, we all got together for an evening investigation. Enter Rock Creek Cemetery. In the forerunner, we follow Johnny's truck and make our way towards the burial ground via dirt road. We park a short distance from the gate. While standing there, Johnny shared with us an encounter he experienced one night while here at Rock Creek Cemetery. We were right over there just hanging out. We were just there in my friend's car. Key points. Where my truck is right now. Our other friend was parked on the other side to the left. We had our windows down and we were having a cigarette and just talking. Well, my friend's car was a standard and he had his car in neutral with the emergency brake on. His car started getting pushed. He he thought it was us getting out of our car and pushing him, messing around. It got pushed so hard that you could see the skid marks. So he pulled up and flipped around and came back this way to put his headlights on. We sat there for about five minutes just staring. We were in complete shock. After that happened, we heard a continuous metal-on-metal clank-like noise, like dink, dink, and it was coming from this part in the cemetery, this corner. We kept hearing this unexplained noise until we left. And he's just looking at Casey and I as he's retelling the story, and he ends the story with, It left skid marks. This happened a while back, and you can still see the shock on this man's face as he relived that night while on location where it actually occurred. Johnny and his friends searched that night for what could be making those dink-dink sounds, and they found nothing. No answers to ease their minds. When he told me about the mysterious sound, I longed to hear it with my own ears. I believed they heard something that night. But what? Could it be explained? Can it be debunked? 
Is there an explanation for it? I just, I love being able to debunk stuff, but I love even more when I cannot debunk stuff. Game on, mysterious noise. Game on. You feisty vixen. After we are done talking at the gate, we do a quick opening protection prayer. Not getting super religious or anything, but basically just kind of letting any and all spirits know that we come in peace, respect and honor, and we're not there to hurt or disrespect anyone or anything. And one of the most important things, stay here. Do not come home with us. Please and uh, thank you. So during the protection prayer, my recorder is on, as always. It had been on earlier to capture Johnny's encounter. And during the prayer, six loud knocks happen. My recorder captures this, but it goes unheard and unnoticed by us. Then shortly after that, a woman's voice, a voice that is not Casey's, Meredith's or my own says look over look over and at this point we have yet to step foot onto the burial grounds no other equipment other than the silent digital recorder at this point is on I must mention that as I requested all spirits positive and negative stay here and not follow us home a woman was recorded whispering I will. Now, I don't know if she meant I will come home with you or I will respect your wishes and stay here at the cemetery. Another thing that's important to mention is that Meredith came along more so just for the ride. Her and Johnny had recently gotten a little puppy and it came along for the ride as well. She decided to stay in the truck and keep the puppy warm. And I believe the woman who has spoken a number of times already, being caught on the recorder, giving us the gift of EVP, is on the investigation with us, as the same voice comes through many times. And again, it's not a voice we have heard before, and we do not hear it as it is speaking. There was a chain on the gate, not locked, but just to kind of prevent it from being open 24-7. The sound of the heavy chain hitting the ground and the intense creak of the gate opening sounded straight out of the old horror flick. And I love it. Just the right atmosphere that we needed. One step in and we are officially in Rock Creek Cemetery. Before I get into our investigation that cold December night in 2014, I would like to share some history on this neat location. Its surroundings are gorgeous. Mountains and on the ground sagebrush Several of the earliest settlers of the county, well, they're resting eternally here. Old Baldy stands guard in the distance. Around 1870, immigrants with wagons holding all their earthly possessions came through the treacherous Colorado mountains and passes to settle right here in this little paradise. They came far and wide to settle here. Ocean, East Coast, they, they came from everywhere. New beginnings, new life a new hope. When heading this way, you can see markers on the highway and on the dirt road directing travelers to the cemetery. A gentleman named Z.C. Zoo Cat, Z.C. Eagle, mm-hmm, pretty cool stuff, was among the settlers. He came here with his family back in 1887. He's the one who put those very markers that you can still see to this very day. His mother, father, and brother are buried here. 
Not too sure where he is, but his family is here. And it wasn't just markers to show you the way to Rock Creek Cemetery, but he also worked extremely hard in searching for the graves. He found several, many without names, these graves, and tried his hardest to get the names on these markers for these people. You are not to be a forever unknown. You are not to be a forever forgotten. What an amazing guy. I love that he did that. I wish I could do something like that. That's that's really a special phenomenal thing, giving names back to some of the unknowns. That's a special and rare gift. Good job, ZC Eagle. Over 40 pioneer families, they're buried here, ranging from people who live to see over 100 to people like little baby Lewis who died at the tender age of five days old. Back to the investigation. We're standing in the cemetery now. Johnny points to a specific section and shares that there's a certain spot that he wants to take us to first. Casey and I, we start to follow him and in a line we go. We stop where a small group of headstones stand before us. He tells us, the noises we were hearing sounded like they originated from this area right here. It was so close. We distinctly remember because of this fenced-in area right here. So I'm looking around, inspecting the area. I look around, and we're truly surrounded by mountains. No huge skyscrapers, no intense city lights, no sounds of traffic or people or what have you. So we stick around in this particular corner of the cemetery and we start to ask a few questions, hoping that the recorder will gather some answers for us. Casey turns on the spirit box. She starts by asking, how many of you are here with us right now? What sounds like a young woman comes through the spirit box saying, me. Even though we had gotten several EVPs already, you know, unbeknownst to us, this is the first thing we hear with our ears during this investigation. Before the me, Casey heard something like a whisper in her ear, and this was not captured via the recorder. Casey asks if the spirits can tell us the name of the location we are at. The recorder catches a very faint voice saying, yes. But before we are aware of that EVP, Casey excitedly says, He said yes! He said yes! We play the recording and listen, and we don't hear anything. Later on, I listen again, and sometimes you need to put it on the slowest setting option, and that's when you can hear something. So that's whenever I'm listening to my recordings, I always have it on the slowest. But yeah, all of a sudden you hear this man say yes, just like Casey said. And I think Casey's kind of like me, have that good old, what I call the EVP ear. She heard it this time, not me, so... Go Casey. So we excitedly ask, where are we then? When suddenly Johnny asks us, Did you guys hear that? We all grow extremely quiet. I'm about to respond when Johnny anxiously says, Again, again, there it is, there it is! We would hear this sound several times throughout our investigation. I will refer to this as... The noise. Now, I must say, there were times that we heard the noise and the recorder caught it as well. But then there were times when we heard the noise, but the recorder didn't catch it and vice versa. So I asked Johnny and Casey, what can that noise be? My recorder catches a man's voice saying, Me. Now that we heard the noise with our own ears, you know, we were told about it 
by Johnny. And then we heard it with our own ears. We really started to kind of look around and see what that noise can be, can be coming from. And after hearing the noise again, I give Johnny the recorder as I turn on my camera and we start to take pictures, several pictures of our surroundings. It was nighttime. The, the moon was full and was very generous, giving us so much light that we didn't even need flashlights that night. It was awesome. Johnny admits to us that he is kind of uncomfortable hearing the sounds again, reminds him of the night his friend's car was pushed by unseen forces. Suddenly, Johnny hears the sounds again. This time only he hears it, and the recorder doesn't catch it either. He suggests to us that maybe we should get in the bed of his truck and take a drive around the cemetery. So we jump in, and he slowly takes off, just like crawling, really, just inching forward, stopping every few feet as we take pictures and listen for sounds and what have you. Suddenly, the noise is recorded once again by the recorder, but this time goes unheard by our ears. I start to look at the pictures I took when one demands my attention. You can see some sagebrush and to the left, some headstones. In the middle of the picture is a streak of light. It's wavy-like. To me, it looks like, you know, kind of the form or shape of a floating woman with long hair. It's the cover picture for this episode, so please take a look for yourself. Check it out. What do you think? I had taken several pictures that night, and... In that time of taking pictures, that's the only one where this mysterious entity appears. I have gotten a few different pieces of photographic evidence from this little mountain cemetery. Now Johnny lets us know that he's feeling something is going on and shares that he thinks it's time to leave. Now, we hadn't been there for very long, and I'm stubborn when it comes to the paranormal. I never leave an investigation early, and I was not ready to go. You know, I was being that stubborn asshole. I tried talking the others into staying, but at this point, Casey, she's kind of ready to leave too, feeling something's not quite right and what have you. Well, I was kind of outnumbered, so finally I gave in. And I'm sure Meredith, who was sitting in the truck with the puppy, would not have had an issue leaving either. So trying to get some more time in, I asked Johnny if he wants to go for another quick drive around the burial grounds, specifically where the sounds were coming from. You know, he kind of had mixed feelings. Part of him wanted to, but the other part was intimidated as hell. So I should mention that Johnny, he was a skeptic. He was a open-minded skeptic. He was, you know, kind of open-minded about the whole thing, but never had the proof presented to him to make him a full-fledged believer. After playing the EVPs for him, seeing the pictures, and hearing those metal sounds pretty much got him on board the paranormal train. Not to forget seeing that his friend's vehicle was literally dragged seeing the skid marks. I mean, if that doesn't do it for you, I don't know what the hell will. I think it was uncomfortable for him because he doesn't go out looking for that stuff, you know? He doesn't investigate it. It's foreign to him. I can understand where he's coming from. Something kind of cool does happen. We noticed that there were long periods of time where we heard no noise, but when we would ask a question or something, the sound would respond. Johnny says to us, It's like it knew I knew something about this place. Do you know what I mean? My recorder catches a man answering him, saying, Yes, I do. And Johnny was the only guy that was there with us. It was Johnny, Meredith in the truck, Casey and I. As we start walking past the headstones and towards the entrance, 
I'm talking to the others. And as this is happening, a woman is recorded saying, listen to me. A few seconds pass and she repeats herself again. Listen to me. This is followed by, that's right, folks, the sound. At one point during the investigation, Johnny, Casey, and I are standing there when suddenly we hear a sound that we cannot explain. Get a rock, a decent sized rock, not like a boulder, mind you, but like, you know, a good rock and throw it. That's the sound we heard. None of us did it. No one else was around. Remember, Meredith is in the truck with the dog still, and we hadn't heard a peep from either of them. We all look around to see, hey, did somebody else come into the cemetery? And Are they sneaking up on us? Or maybe they're just visiting somebody? Like, what's happening? But as our eyes scanned the well-lit area, thanks to the moon, we didn't see a living person there. We ask what that noise was, and we all heard this disembodied voice of a woman speak unintelligible words. The recorder catches the rock sound and the woman's voice. It's only now at the end of the investigation that a few minutes later, Meredith, puppy in arms, comes out. We tell her about what just happened, about the rock being thrown or what sounded like a rock being thrown, and the woman's voice. And Casey asks, is that you making all that noise? And the recorder catches a hushed whisper saying, yes. For the second time tonight, Casey again hears the response before we hear it on the recorder. She excitedly exclaims, it said yes. We are still in the area where the noise came from. Johnny, very alert, says that he heard talking. We're silent, practically holding our breath. We hear nothing and the recorder caught nothing. Perhaps he has the EVP ear too and he just doesn't even know it. As we stand there, the recorder captures the noise again, going unheard by us. We have the spirit box on again, and Casey asks the spirits, there's an animal with us right now. Can you tell us what it is? Several seconds goes by, no voices coming through, and suddenly a voice that sounds like either a woman or I'm guessing more like a young child says, puppy. I remember that voice as if it happened today. It sounded like, puppy. It was so cute. I start to take pictures, and in one picture, there stands a double headstone, and near that is like this type of weird mist. It has a face, what looks to be a man, and he's looking up. I truly believe that while I took this picture, I caught a spirit possibly manifesting itself. Around this time, my recorder catches an odd EVP, Fear the Wolf. This is followed by the sound. The recorder catches the noise, but we did not hear it. And then he says the wolf again. So very interesting stuff. It's like fear the wolf, the sound, the wolf. Lots going on right now. Upon hearing the sound again, I am anxious to get back into the cemetery, not end the investigation, and see if I could find the source to this sound once and for all. Quite close to where the double headstone is, and where I got the manifestation picture, there's an opening in the barbed wire fence. So I go back in and I start to do this extensive search as to what can be responsible for this noise. I have my debunker hat on and I begin to walk around. There's nothing that I can see or feel that can make this sound. Chimes, they suddenly go off. I follow the sound of chimes and I find them located on a little girl's grave, forever young. 
I gently tap the chimes to hear the sound, and no, definitely not the noise, but I create the sound once again for Johnny and Casey, and both are in agreement as well, that it is a completely different sound, chime versus the ding-ding sound. We hear an animal-like sound in the distance. We're up in the mountains, and Casey shares that now it's her turn to be uncomfortable and she wants to go home. I can't complain. We did stay longer after the first time they wanted to leave. As we start to leave for the second time, I kid around saying, maybe it's a ghost cow. And a woman is recorded saying what really sounds like, bitch. One week later, Casey and I were working at my mom's cafe. A man came in and we share a mutual friend, Kenny, who's actually very good friends with Johnny. In fact, Johnny and Kenny always come in for lunch and drinks. And so Kenny had told us about this fellow who had been investigating the paranormal for well over two decades. After a conversation on the phone sharing encounters with this man, he plans the two-hour trip to come and investigate somewhere in the San Luis Valley with us. So one week after our first investigation at this cemetery, Tim and his son Carl come over. Kenny came over, I took a break, and sat with them, and we start to play the investigation for them. We all swap stories, evidence, CVPs, pictures. I mean, it was great. After we close up shop, Tim and Carl invite us to go for a drive and investigate somewhere. Now, obviously, I wouldn't jump into someone who I barely know's car, but since we had a mutual friend and spent several hours together earlier talking all things paranormal, Casey and I trusted them and we had a great time. It was awesome. Really sweet people. Tim made a few phone calls trying to get us into the supposed demonic house. No responses. And Casey and I were kind of relieved. I did not want to go into a demonic house because, as my friend Angie recently put it, I pick up spirits like a damn sponge. So we finally decide to go to Rock Creek. Before we head out, though, Tim takes out his mail meter, EMF meter. He shares that he is getting a new one and is looking to sell his. So I, I grab it and I start to play around with it and I, I've i been wanting to get one. I had. I, at this point, had the K2 and a couple other things, but, you know, I know the K2 is like one of the go-to things on the paranormal shows, but it's not a fan of mine. Like, I'm not, well, I'm not a fan of it. And so I, I was definitely wanting something a little better. So I told him I've been wanting to get one. He gave me a price I couldn't resist. And me and Mel, we've been friends ever since. As we drive up to the burial grounds, I mention how dark it is. I mean, it, it was crazy. One week earlier, the full moon lit the surroundings for us. No moon or stars were guiding us or helping us that night. Flashlights, definitely needed. And it was much colder than our first trip. It felt like a totally different place. It was bizarre. So one rule of Tim's, he doesn't like to use the spirit box. I respect that. Everyone has their own methods. Me, I personally love doing EVP sessions. And at times, yes, we will pull out the spirit box and we'll do spirit box sessions. But we don't have the spirit box going continuously all throughout the night. But I go with the flow very happily. I mean, hell, I have the Mel meter in my hand, a new tool. I'm a happy camper. I love new tools, new equipment. So all the voices we get from this particular investigation they are all EVPs, as none came through the spirit box. So after the investigation, we go into the truck and replay the whole event 
listening to the results shortly after getting them, which is nice because with me, sometimes it takes weeks to listen to my audio afterwards. It's a really bad habit, but it just happens. Casey and I, we guide Tim and Carl to where the sound was coming from. We explain what it sounds like as we walk. Without the moon's guidance, it takes a bit longer for us to cross the sea of headstones into the particular corner of the cemetery. As we begin an EVP session, I ask the spirits, how did you die? A woman is recorded saying what sounds like, hem the lines, kill, yes. This is then followed by unexplainable static. Just a little on the airy side. Hem the lines. I still don't know what the hell that means. But then, uh, yeah, kill? Okay. Tim asks, do you want to go to the other side? A disembodied voice of a man is recorded asking how. And at some point, an unexplained sound is recorded. And I can only really describe it as a child desperately trying to gasp for air. (gasps) Very heartbreaking. Very. We do get an interesting EVP. A man with an accent speaks in another language, which sounds like gurro. Go kitsch, kitsch. I was intrigued. I was very interested. I, you know, there's been times where I've gotten accents, different accents, but a different language. It was, I was interested. So I looked this up online and what I found about Guru is a Scottish village located in the Italian Alps, a commune in the province of Verbano Cusio Osola. When I looked up Kish, The only thing that I could find really was a German author, a man named Egon Kirsch, or maybe it was Kirsch, which is considered to be something in poor taste. It makes me wonder if the spirit was speaking in his native tongue, letting us know that he did not approve of us being there. I don't know, but still, very interesting to me. Guru go Kirsch, Kirsch. I like it. So sometime into the investigation, a woman in an echo-like voice is caught whispering my name, Tess. It's always interesting when they refer to you by name. Oh, it's just Tessa coming for another visit. I lead the group to the double headstone and start to tell Tim and Carl about the picture. The double headstone is the resting spot for a married couple that Johnny actually knew very well. I ask them if there is a message that they would like me to give to Johnny from them. A weird sound is recorded. To me, it sounded like kind of like a fingernail scraping very wildly and loud against the recorder. I mean, it was super loud, super obvious and obnoxious. I would definitely not do that. This is followed by the noise and it goes unheard by us. I go to the child's grave that has the chime, bend down, touch her headstone, and I ask, sweetie, how old were you when you died? The recorder catches what sounds like a child's breathing, followed by a purr-like sound. Then, shortly after, the woman who said my name earlier says it again, Tessa. I ask Casey to hold my recorder so I can take my gloves off. And as I do this, a woman is caught saying excitedly, Get it off! This is followed by the sound. I hear it this time, but no one else does, and the recorder doesn't catch it either. Tim and Carl have a two-hour drive ahead of them, so we all decide, hey, it's time to call it a night. As we leave the cemetery, I turn on the spirit box just for a moment, and I ask, can you tell us what your name is? A man comes through saying, Owen. Tim asks, Owen, would you like us to go away? And the same voice replies, yup. We respect his wishes, and a few more steps, we are now out of the cemetery and closing the gate. As the truck warms up that cold December night, We sit there and listen to our findings. 
Rock Creek Cemetery definitely is a neat place to go and check out, and it did not disappoint either time that we've been there. I went there one time with my sister and my mom and stepdad. It was their wedding anniversary, and we, you know, we're just uh, going to cool different places, and we were passing through the area, so we stopped there. And it's interesting when you go to a place only at night, it just it looks so different during the day. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry. Just head on over to any of those awesome podcast platforms, such as Player FM, Stitcher, CastBox, Owl Tell, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you may roam to hear your other spine-tingling podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shout-outs go to the home of Waverly Hills, Louisville, Kentucky, good old Corpus Christi, Texas, Huntersville, North Carolina, Mesquite, Nevada, and Treviso, Italy. As always, you guys, it is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for stopping by. Be sure to check back in next Monday to hear the newest episode. Have a spooky encounter of your own to share. Perhaps you want to be a voiceover on an episode. Email me at paraprowl at gmail.com or find me on the Paranormal Prowlers Podcast Facebook page. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next week, my friends.